You're listening to Clock Shelves Entertainment, the only podcast network bringing you great times. Welcome to another episode of MCU and Me. As always, I am Paul Casey, and it has all been building to this. It is the finale of season one of Daredevil. For the last few episodes, you have heard me going back and forth between Zach and Kevin and Zach and Kevin. Actually, it was Kevin and Zach and Kevin and Zach, technically. Um, But it has all been building to this, the season one finale, and I managed to get both of them on... So before we go any further, I will let them reintroduce themselves. Go ahead, guys. Hello, motherfuckers and space truckers. It is the one-man pantheon, the swole boat, the trapzilla. I am Zach. And we can say motherfuckers now, at least for now, while we're still on Netflix. Uh, you know, once we move to Disney+, Plus, <laughs> I'm not so sure. But uh, hi, I'm, I'm Kev, otherwise known as Kevin Zane, the Powerhouse Podcasting, blah, 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 blah. So with with that, I think I think it was since the last episode that I did with Zach, I I think we did that right before that announcement was made. Maybe maybe it was made right before. I don't know. Anyway, I think I got I got tagged in uh, the a uh, few articles and it was shared with me. Uh, Disney Plus in Canada is getting these Netflix shows. I think here in the states, it's gonna they're gonna go to Hulu. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to go to Disney+. Plus. I think these Netflix shows or whatever, I don't know what, the Defenders shows, I guess, is what we would call them now. Um, I think they are going to go to Hulu and pretty much everywhere else it's going to either be Disney+, Plus or Disney+, Plus Star, which is where they put some of their more quote-unquote adult stuff that wouldn't necessarily fly on Disney+, Plus, like your Losts, your Aliases, probably like Desperate Housewives, things like that. That's what I think. Listen, as long as they don't edit the shit out of them or or make them completely inaccessible at all, uh, I'm fine. I don't care where they end up as long as they end up somewhere. See, and that and that fear is a reason why I am a big proponent of physical media. Like the other night I went to I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch Twin Peaks. Fuck it. So I go to Netflix, which it's been on for years. It's not there anymore. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let a company dictate when and where I can watch a show. So I bought the whole series on on Blu-ray. But that's my that's my thing. It's like with with digital, it's you have access to it until you don't. Until somebody like Disney decides you don't. And Maybe I they 100% another... I 100% agree with that, Zach. Uh the problem is with this show is that only the first two seasons and I think maybe Jessica Jones were the only ones they ever even released on physical media. So if I, you know, for some strange reason wanted to go rewatch Iron Fist, it would be impossible unless they do put it somewhere. And that that's a problem with Netflix as a whole, as you know, they, they don't do a lot of physical releases like, you know, my grandma really wants to watch Stranger Things. And I don't know if that's been physically released or if it's all been physically released. So it's like and she doesn't stream. She doesn't know anything about that world. And it's a very uphill battle to get her to understand it. So I'm not even going to bother. But um, I think they'll wind up on Hulu. I think they'll probably leave them alone. But, you know, internationally, they'll probably be on, on Disney Plus because Disney Plus 
in other countries has uh, an adult section apparently yeah it's called Star. whereas in the states yeah it's just it, you know in the states it's all homogenized quote unquote for kids which it, stuff to, to be completely honest i wouldn't be surprised if within the next 3 years hulu goes away and it be and it all migrates to the i mean this is a Obviously, this is a conversation that, you know, we could just have probably just this as a conversation, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hulu goes away and the star portal or whatever you whatever they, you know, section of the of the Disney Plus thing comes to the States, because realistically, Hulu was started as like a, a joint venture amongst several of them. Right. It was it was NBC, ABC and I think there were I think there yeah. were some others that were like kind of, you know, minority owners and, and whatnot. And basically it was so that you could have uh, things next day and they might have, you know, they had like one or two originals early on, um, but they weren't like anything like Netflix was doing or anything like that. It was just supposed to be a lot of your stuff available next day. And then they would have like the most recent five episodes or so and then after that you'd have to wait because then you'd have to wait several months before they went on to netflix or really it was just netflix at the time i guess um, i think you could even buy them though like if you went on actual the itunes right you know the old apple store or whatever like you could buy an episode for 2.99 but i'm pretty sure you can't even do that with these netflix shows like if you wanted to well, no, because that was that it was the Netflix original, and that was sort of the thing. But I think, like I said, I think with Hulu, because now Disney has sort of bought out the the other companies because they bought Fox. Um, I think they bought the majority of NBC's shares, but NBC was like, yeah, well, we still want a piece of the revenue, but we're going to take all of our shows, which is why like Brooklyn nine, nine is no longer on there. It's on Peacock and, and what have you. So I think, I don't think NBC has anything on there, but I think they still get like a minority percent of the revenues, things like that. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if at a certain point Hulu goes away and that just makes one less thing for the whole bundle and and whatever sort of thing because like they have the Disney Hulu and ESPN bundle so if you haven't already uh go check out on content club one of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called two of us it features myself and my father uh going through some different things in Beatles history uh, I know that that may not sound like fun to some people. You may not be a Beatles fan, or maybe you're just a casual fan, or what have you. But we're making some interesting discoveries along the way. Because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that. And my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young. Uh, but he is one of the biggest Beatles fans I know, one of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide, it's, it's almost like a sports commentary sort of deal where I provide some play-by-play -play and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews, 
and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves, and it is called Two of Us, and it's us going through the long and winding road of the Beatles. But if you could just, you know, migrate all of it to a different section of the Disney Plus website where you want to drive your traffic anyway, I could just see it go. I think, I think honestly, it's just a matter of certain contracts running out. Just like, the, I mean, realistically, these shows moving there and a lot of the stuff was just a matter of contracts running out because that's why the movies aren't on Netflix and they took some of them off Netflix for you know, X amount of time before they were available anywhere because they were like, well, we're going to be launching our thing in six months. So you could be without them for six months, then watch them on our streaming service. I think it's inevitable. It, it, it reminds me of uh, Google. They had two music streaming services. One was YouTube music and the other was Google play music. And I was a big fan of Google play music. I thought it was, it was my go-to music streaming service and then YouTube was sort of like a minority thing, you know, and it, it really didn't make sense. Why did Google have two music streaming services? And they must have thought the same thing because eventually they shut down Google Play Music and started pouring more effort into YouTube music uh, because YouTube's the brand. Right. So I, I feel like it's very similar. You want to you want to migrate everything to Disney Plus because Disney is the brand. What is Hulu? Hulu is just like you said, Paul, just contracts at this point. I feel like. I feel like you're right. Everything's going to eventually be on, on Disney Plus because Disney essentially owns all Western media at this point. So <laughs> you're just going to want to go with that with that name because that's what everybody knows. And because there that doesn't exist anywhere else. Right. Like and I'm not even saying like because obviously we've talked with some of our friends from England and like they'll talk about the fact that like Lost was available on Amazon Prime there, whereas for us it was available on you know, Hulu or Netflix or what have you. So those things I get like internationally, but like Hulu as a service doesn't exist. Like Peacock just launched over in the UK. What they have, I don't know because a lot of stuff that like is on Peacock here, like say The Office, I think is on Netflix or whatever over there. So that might... I know they still have the WWE Network, those lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm I'm sure that'll be changing at a certain point too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, um, like I follow Lance Storm on Twitter, so he's up in Canada, and they still have the network. But he, he I think he said like they're starting to migrate some stuff over to Peacock. It's not a total like, you know, overnight thing, but they are transitioning away from the network even in international markets. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the uh, helpful explainer, guys. <laughs> Well, because again, like you said, Kev, we don't we don't know where this is is going to be, but we know that uh, we are here talking about the Daredevil episode entitled Daredevil, uh, the season one finale right now. And actually, before we get into that, I do have to to make one little comment because Zach, I realized after we got done recording our episode, we forgot to do one thing that we've been doing, and Kevin has kind of. 
uh, made it a point to, to do so. And I greatly appreciate that, but we got so caught up in our conversation that I forgot. So very quickly, the episodes that Zach and I talked about in the previous episode being episodes, uh, 10, 11, and 12 written and directed respectively by, uh, Luke Calto and Farron Blackburn written and directed, uh, episode uh, 11 written by Stephen S. DeKnight and Douglas Petrie directed by Nick Gomez and episode 12 written by Douglas Petrie directed by Euros Lin. We forgot to do that. I'm normally really good with it, but I forgot it. So I knew I wanted to do it kind of towards the beginning of this recording. Uh, so there is that because I'm sure someone out there other than me caught that we didn't <laughs> do that. So I didn't. noticed you. I'm sure you did. <laughs> And it's fine because this one's easy. This one's one episode. It's both written and directed by Stephen tonight. So we've already said enough about him. So just give him his credit and we can just move on with the show. But I, you are you are right. And that was something that you kind of started back in the old Lost with Friends days, which we weren't. I mean, I was never opposed to doing it, but I, I never necessarily like thought, oh, hey, let's talk about the writer and the director unless it was something kind of pertinent to the story of like oh this person tends to write these you know the, this person this character's episodes or what have you but i think you're absolutely right that you know whoever it is deserves to get the credit so knowing that that is something that we've been doing a lot with mcu and me and that we didn't do it and i realized after the fact i knew kind of towards the beginning of this one i wanted to give credit where credit is due yeah and it was a it was especially you know uh, kind of essential when looking back at Lost because look at how many uh, careers were were spawned from that. So, absolutely. Um, so I have two questions. Well, one one question, I guess, and then one comment about uh, this episode, the the episode Daredevil episode thirteen. So my first question, and it might be something that I've asked one or both of you before, but as I was watching it, it just popped in my head. Is Vanessa from the comics? I'm, I'm sure I've asked it before, but is she from the comics? Oh, yeah, yes. there, there, there is a Vanessa. The, uh, the mother of Wilson's child, I believe. OK, so this, this like the fact that she is like his his saving grace is very accurate to like it, it's not like it's not like he has something else in the comics and they just made it this woman in the show. I don't think it's 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 not like a, a one for one type deal. Like I think there are definitely differences between Vanessa Fisk comics versus show, but there absolutely is a Vanessa, like Zach said, and uh, she's gone through different uh, iterations in the comics. I think she dies at one point and like comes back as a zombie, something along those lines. Uh, but she's always like the point that it, it, she's like the tipping point for for Kingpin at all times like you touch her you bring her up you you say her name whatever like you get that's what gets the reaction uh, and turns wilson fisk into kingpin more or less gotcha i think it also both in the comics and in the show it's helped to humanize wilson fisk the you know the the figure the icon um yeah not just and, 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 the, and the child which can be a negative because as we as we sort of talked about over the the last several episodes, um, you know, 
did it did it help him or hurt him that he kind of came out of the shadows as much as she was a, a big figure in that and hey you know people you know bringing him to to light it unfortunately brought a lot of negative in terms of well damn now they know who you are so they're going to be looking into you which kind of you know hurts our criminal activities one of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, and sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course we try to present you with who those people are across the various clock shelves, entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Paul and all, um, it is where I sit down, uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and all, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you can find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. Well, yeah, that was the Owl's whole thing, right? Is you know, just trying to get her out of the picture to get Fisk back on the same page. So, right. My other my comment is very much it's it's about the last like two minutes, and I'm sure you both loved it. And I'm not saying I didn't love it, but oh my gosh, was that not the biggest? like Batman rip off that final scene, the whole thing of just him just standing there. Like it was, it, if you've been wearing even the black, music, yes. I even noticed the music was very dark night. Yes. I'm like, this seems like a fan edit. It just, it, it seemed like the biggest Batman thing ever to me. <laughs> I mean, I can see that there, there, there's definitely the similarities between, you know, Batman and Daredevil, and I, I get it, but I, I don't look at it that way, and that's probably just my Marvel bias. Fair enough. It, it could have been an un, like a subconscious thing, like when did this come out? You know, like the Dark Knight was still very much in the minds of people, and this was a comic book venture, and it was supposed to be gritty, and what's grittier than the Dark Knight? So, I feel like maybe they they might have tapped into that. Maybe I, mean, I think I think it's more the, the 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 costume that does it right because we we've seen Matt like just hanging out on rooftops and whatnot and you might not think of it as much at that point but once you see him in the whole outfit with the music like yeah and just especially because the outfit was was very practical it wasn't skin tight latex or it wasn't leather like what Ben Affleck wore it was a very grounded realistic version of what that costume would look like which is also the dark knight trilogy was very grounded realistic gritty so i, I feel like you know there, there are similarities whether they were intended or not 
And it's funny going back and watching it because I remember like they built up the whole season towards like him actually becoming Daredevil. Uh, but rewatching it, you really don't even think about it, right? Like you, you know what's coming. You've already seen it, so it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's got his costume. Like that's great. But watching it for the first time obviously hits a little different. Well, it's the especially small... because for the couple episodes before that, they were like, you know, you need a new suit, or like they kept they kept talking about it, they kept teasing it. You know, at a certain point, I'm just like, just give me the fucking suit, bro. Give me the devil horns. I mean, well, badass as it was, it's just kind of an afterthought once you've already seen it. And that the more important part to me was he gets his billy club. Like, he yes, had used the sticks cool. a little bit before, but, like, he gets his official, like, legit billy club, which he always had in the comics. So that was more interesting to me on the rewatch than uh, the suit. I was going to say, it's it's kind of the Smallville thing, right? Like, the first season. Because, like, the whole, part of the whole thing for Smallville was he's never, like, when they originally pitched it, it was, he's never going to wear the suit. And it was, you know, you, the theory was you were never, the moment they, they put Clark Kent into the Superman suit, it's over because it's not everything that happened pre-Superman and whatnot. And obviously they, they got away from that for a, you know, for quite a while there in that show. But the, I think the very last image you see in that show is him in the suit or something like that. So for this, it was kind of the buildup of the first season where in the back of your mind, if you know that he, that he doesn't just wear like a, a, a basically like a do rag or whatever over his head, it is like, well, when is he going to get that suit? So it definitely was, a nice buildup, like you said, though, Kev, the first time you're watching it. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I think uh, we're kind of waiting for Fisk to go full-blown white suit. Like, that's what he was always known for in the comics. And the kind of ironic part of it uh, is that he ends up in a white suit, but not the one you're thinking. <laughs> was, did, some, again, just one of those weird things I noticed while I was watching it. Was D'Onofrio actually bald or was he wearing a bald cap i'm pretty sure he shaved for, for this hey there folks just taking another break to remind you to check out our social media pages we're trying to grow those and we're wondering what you want to see more from us uh, you can let us know your feedback on our shows you can let us know uh feedback on just about anything really over on our social medias you can make requests for various guests that you want to maybe return to certain shows or you can give us topics um you can check out all of that and you can even find pretty much across the various platforms the people that have been on uh our shows because we follow them and are followed by them pretty much everywhere uh on facebook instagram and twitter we are clock shelves of course that's c-l-o-c-k-s-h-e-l-v-e-s we are trying to grow our social media presence as i said so um in addition to us trying to post as often as we uh post new content for you uh we're also trying to make everyone else aware of our social media so make sure you go give us a follow maybe even uh share us sometimes you know when we post new stuff it's at clock shelves that's c L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay. 
I just there was a he certain... was invested enough in the role. I th- I would I wouldn't be surprised because he's been before he was reintroduced in uh, Hawkeye. He'd been basically lobbying to play the character again for years. So, you know, I th- I feel like he probably would have been committed enough to shave his head if he, if if that were required. When he's sitting in the in the tran the prison transport van, and he's telling the the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm looking at him, and his and it's it's a thing with with some bald people I understand, but his forehead seemed to have a lot more definition and like wrinkles and things, and that just the top of his head looked too smooth and too shiny and whatnot that it looked fake as i was looking at it i know that's probably me getting like way too into the top of d'onofrio's head but (laughs) that was all i was thinking was is that a bald cap or is that really his head at that point maybe it was like maybe there was a reshoot you know something along those lines and he had started growing his hair out for something else and they had to improvise so i mean it's possible the lighting was a little weird in that scene that could have been it um but being you brought it up like, I really like that scene, how he gives the whole story of the Samaritan, but it did it remind you, like it reminded me, of the end of Pulp Fiction. Uh, and I think I've, I've brought up a Pulp Fiction comparison before here. Um, but, like, when Jules is in the diner and he breaks down Ezekiel 2517, and he, he used to think it was just some badass thing he said, but now he's looking at it different and wondering which role he plays, you know, within the story, you know? I didn't get that, but now that you say it, I like it. Yeah, My think... con- contribution to this deep conversation is that I Googled it and he did shave his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, Baldgate has been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I never, I never, I never thought about that with regards to the Pulp Fiction thing, but I actually like that, the fact that you know, he, and I mean, I do like the fact that he kind of takes that, that story and, and flips it of like, I used to think I was this and that, and then I thought it was this. And that's, that's how people, I mean, that's probably a, one of the most human moments that I can think of other than anything with Vanessa that I think we've seen with Fisk, because we all do that with whatever our favorite like film is or TV series or what have you. I, I used to talk about it on, on lost with friends, right? Like I always, and I mean, even you guys, you know, because of the whole wrestling connection that we all share, I always used to say like, I like the, the, the bad guy characters or like the anti-hero characters because that's what I always wanted to be like I feel like people portray me as like you know goody goody follows the rules whatever but I want to be like that badass guy who like rides a motorcycle and wears a leather jacket I want to be Fonzie basically you know what I mean and uh and but I but I don't I feel that people don't necessarily perceive me that way and so we do that with things and where you, th- you look at something and you go, well, am I this or am I this? Who, who do I, if, if I were in this story, who would I portray or what would I portray? I guess in, in Fisk's case, you know you'd what I mean? Foggy. What was that? You'd be foggy. And you, and that's what you said <laughs> that to me in the, the last I, I time that you. we talked 
and I said, I'm like, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. And I don't disagree, but that's not who I want to be. Yeah. I think you might want to be Wesley, but you're foggy. Right. Exactly. Does that sound about right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad thing because, you know, only one of those characters makes it out of the season alive. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you come out on, on the winning end of, of that, Paul. So. Yeah, that's true. Plus, there's that hot chick that he fucks, Marcy. Oh, man. More Marcy in her designer pumps. Please. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they'll bring her back for season four. I hope so. She <laughs> she actually followed her. I've been following her on Instagram since this show uh, came out, and she did make a post saying that, like, hey, I'm open to it. Honestly, I don't think she's been very busy, so. I was just going to say, have I, have, yeah. would I have seen her in anything else? She's done a couple other things, uh, uh, but nothing really of note, sorry to say. You already know with Clockshelves Entertainment, you get great times. Global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics, and many entertaining scenarios. We talk the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk failed pilots and prep for new shows. And we talk some shows that are, you know, we're looking at in retrospect. We talk with friends from all various walks of life. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's sports entertainment. And sometimes it's just pure entertainment. We are all over the country and all over the globe. We're friends. We're family. We are Clockshelves Entertainment. Okay. I just, she looks. Well, I mean, has anybody in the show done anything really lately, like Charlie Cox or any of the main characters? Deborah Ann Knoll was. Did I say her name? Wool. Wool. Wool, yes. Uh, was in. A movie called Escape Room, and I'm a oh, big the fan of Escape Saw Rooms. Type movie? Uh, yeah, Saw, or I liken it more to Cube. Um, oh, Cube is so good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Cube. Um, but yeah, she she did that. I know that, and she, uh, it's pretty good in that. Well, her I know in particular. She does a lot of charity stuff. Like she does a lot of like I see on her. I think it's on her Instagram and stuff. She does a lot of like auction stuff where she'll yeah. auction a lot of autographs, things like that. Because I think her husband or boyfriend or whatever, I think he has a condition where basically he's slowly going blind, which is one of the reasons that I think she was drawn to the role on this show. And that is correct. And so, yeah, so she's she's a lot of times trying to raise money for organizations related to him and that not to say that she you know doesn't do other things but i know a lot of times some actors get like one or two big roles because i believe she was also on true blood so true her her fame with true blood mixed with her fame with this some not all but some actors do that thing where it's like i need one or two good roles like really really good roles where i can build a decent fan base and then it sounds terrible to say, but you kind of cash in on that by doing your other ventures because you know you're going to have a fan base who will at least check it out somewhat. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all because it's it's always good to have somebody who's out there who has a platform. It's like um, like Bob Saget for so long because of of his sister. He did all sorts of stuff. I cannot remember what his sister had, 
but she she died very young and he more i think more than anybody realized in addition to all of his comedy and everything else he raised like money for like you know charities and stuff related to what she had and he be, but he used his platform to do that so i i do think that's a fantastic thing that that a lot of celebrities do yeah, I think, uh, you know, Mark Ruffalo is another one, you know, stay here in the Marvel universe somewhat. Um, he had a quote, I believe it was just earlier this week, is like, you know, I don't ask a lot from anybody. He just says, do what you can. And when you have uh, the money or the fame or the platform to do something uh, about something that you believe in, then, yeah, by all means, do it. I very much I, – I agree with that, and I like that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good transition back into the world of Daredevil. <laughs> Normally, I'm, I'm pretty good with them. Um, just insert the just insert the sound effect from, like, the Batman 66 show. No, 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 no. Yeah, there you go. Just, just edit that together, and we're good. The screen spins, comes close, goes back. Next scene. You guys didn't see yeah, no, it. The clock shelves logo spins and comes close to the screen. I like that. <laughs> you guys didn't see it, but when I when I did that, I put my hand up towards the microphone, expanded my fingers, and then pulled it back. Legitimately, I did that. <laughs> see, it's just it's innate. It's just like human nature. They know exactly what that sound means and what it looks like. I may or may not have done the same. <laughs> so in this episode. Um, we do see, uh, uh, we see it, we started out at the funeral of, um, Yurik and, uh, we see Fisk going to, uh, Owlsley, who's, I can never remember his name. Like, I don't know why. It's Leland. Just like, why, like, why do you gotta make his name so, co- like, Murdoch, I feel like Fisk, like we cover, we, I Foggy, I feel like we Owlsley. This. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you like guys did talk about this in the last episode, and I'm just, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, just call him the Owl. Like he's based on a character called the Owl in the comics, so I'm just calling him the Owl. Oh, so they made that decision. They're like, oh, we had this cool character with a cool name called the Owl. How can we make this completely garbage? <laughs> yeah, I got and an idea. Is, I I'm I can't say for sure, but I'm po- almost positive that. He was never Owlsley in the comics. Like they, they had to come up with a name that had Owl in it. Uh, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, shit. Yeah. yeah. Which normally <laughs> so I'm they... good with, but don't make it so complicated to say. It's yeah. the two L's but... so close to each other that screws me up. They should have made it so his his eyeglasses made his eyes look really big. I feel like that would have been a better. Haha! See what we did there? He's wear he wears glasses already. I'm just saying. It's true. Just have them have them have them look like a tootsie pop every so often. Luckily for I both mean, of you, uh, we don't have to talk about him anymore because he gets dropped down a fucking elevator shaft. Fuck that dude. <laughs> one of my notes is fuck Leland. Glad he got tossed down an elevator shaft. That's one of my notes. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> oh, I forgot man. how satisfying that scene was. Ben Yurik will be missed. Leland yeah. outs, he will not. The MCU is ever expanding, and if you didn't know, we have expanded an MCU and me, the podcast by Clock Shelves Entertainment, is now available on most of your major podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
so if you aren't already following us or maybe you have some friends who are getting back into the MCU, maybe doing a deep dive uh, into some of the then Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, things like that, or maybe even they're catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, or they're just going back and watching all of the movies. Uh, Every single pocket of the MCU, of course, is uh, being covered on MCU and Me, so make sure to recommend that they check us out on their favorite podcast platform, uh, MCU and Me, available from Clockshelves Entertainment. Yeah, no, the the opening scene, and that's my first uh, note, was that I like how it ended with the casket being lowered into the ground, which, you know, helped the screen cut to black. I just, that whole opening shot was really well done, which it just goes, um, I think I've said it multiple times on, uh, you know, every episode of this, this I've been on, where just the cinematography of the show is, is amazing. Were we, sub- I agree. Were we supposed to think at first that it was another flashback and it was Matt's father's funeral? I don't think so, because the last episode closed with Ben dying, right? Right. I just, when I first, like, and maybe it was because I hadn't watched it in so long, and maybe because there was also the gap between when I just watched the last one, talked about it with Zach, to this one. As I'm first starting to watch it, I just, I thought in my mind, oh, okay, this is a flashback. And I thought it was maybe going to be like a flashback of that and Matt sort of having memories of another important funeral that he went to, that being the one of his father. That's what I thought. Maybe I'm alone in that. It could have, no, I mean, that's that's not a bad assumption to have uh, before you see what they're setting up because the show has made heavy use of flashbacks to kind of flesh out the backstory. So you know, I don't think that's a bad thing that that's what you thought. Yeah. And it's just there to, you know, more funerals, the more they get to accentuate Matt, Matt, Matthews, Matt, daredevil, whatever you want to call him, his Catholic guilt. So that's also very true. Yeah. You even had the, the, the priest there doing the, doing the service. Like there was the same priest that Matt's gone to, you know, what are the chances? Right. So yeah, it, it accentuates the Catholic guilt, definitely. That's a big part of the character. And it Which, also gives you maybe the best line of, you know, aside from the Good Samaritan story, maybe the best line of the episode, at least, is Matt saying, uh, I have to stop this before there's no one left to bury. So you have this whole... Damn, that is good, will, yeah. Yeah, well, they have this whole will he, won't he, uh, you know, kill Fisk throughout the whole episode, so... And I was just going to say the fact that he, he says that to, like... Basically, he says that he's going to go after later in the episode. He says that he's going to go after Fisk to Foggy and Foggy once again brings up the Catholic guilt thing. So it does all come back around more than once. Indeed. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know what really the scene with we, this, the scene ahead. between Mrs. Yurik and Karen, I think, was pretty heartbreaking because yeah. it had been established that Mrs. Yurik had dementia right or something thereabouts so she wasn't always like in the moment but here she was completely present and she told karen like it wasn't your fault ben was just he was a damn good reporter this is you know he this this is who he was as a person and if he died any other way it would have been wrong basically so i think it was it was really profound to have her there and have her be completely clear i liked i liked that i liked the moment where she said about the fact that they didn't have kids but the way that he talked about Karen, 
if they could have it, you know, they, they basically hoped that their kid would have turned out like Karen, which is probably, you know, one of the best compliments that you can give someone because of how she, all she wanted to do was get to the truth with this thing. And realistically, that's what a reporter in theory is, is wants, right. Is to get to the truth. So obviously the fact that they teamed up and, and I mean, it was kind of obvious that he, he had like a kind of fatherly sort of deal with her, you know, like there was never, I never got any hint, which you, you would easily, right? Like even when she's there with, uh, with Matt and Foggy, there's the kind of, you know, love triangle, like hint that we always get in TV, but I don't think there was ever a hint even, or, you know, even a moment or a look or, or a, a hesitation of anything for us to ever think, is it possible that he would have something for her or she would have something for him, meaning Yurik and, and Paige. But it was very clearly like a mentor mentee, like a father daughter sort of thing. So the fact that she gave Karen that compliment, I think is like increased tenfold by that because it's such a rare thing to see in TV and film, you know, technically, but, uh, where you have two characters who are of, you know, the opposite genders and they, there isn't at least some fan community out there, you know, like shipping them or something. This year, 2022, is the anniversary, the 25th anniversary, actually, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television series that changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And if you've regularly heard me, whether it be on MCU and Me, on Paul and All, on Lost with Friends, so on and so forth, I have often talked about the fact that Buffy is one of my top five favorite shows. So to celebrate this, we have launched Buffyverse and Converse. Uh, it is available right now on Content Club. We are covering season one of Buffy as of this uh, episode that you're listening to. Uh, we are covering season one. It's not available on your favorite podcast platforms just yet. Uh, it is only available via Content Club as of now, of course. Uh, as soon as it becomes available, we will let you know. But as a reminder, Content Club, there are only two tiers. There's the $1 tier just to throw uh, some dough if you choose to do so. And then there is the $4 tier where you get pretty much all the extra stuff such as early Paul and All uninterrupted, early MCU uninterrupted, early uh, we're going to be getting back into the monthly Lost with Friends uninterrupted. Uh, you get two of us, which is a content club exclusive. And as of right now, of course, you get Buffyverse and Converse, and anything else that we do will be there uh, early and un uninterrupted, as with everything else. So if you are a fan of Buffy, please check that out. Uh, of course, we've talked about it many times on MCU and Me because of the uh, Joss Whedon influence with regards to the first two Avengers films and several things such as Daredevil, uh, some of the head writers uh, from that worked uh, or originated uh, from Buffy. Um, of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I, I've talked about it quite a bit because of the influence there. Um, 
and we have some people watching for the first time. So if you've never watched Buffy, you absolutely can. Uh, you don't get uh, spoiled on really anything because of the fact that we have first-time viewers. Uh, so you get the experience like they are getting. Uh, so if it's something you've watched before and you love, listen to us reminisce. And if you've never seen it before, you can absolutely check out the podcast as well uh, because we have some first-time viewers checking it out. So as I said, that is available right now on Content Club exclusively as of this episode of uh, this show that you're listening to. But um, of course, when it becomes available on your favorite podcasting platform, platforms, uh, you will be able to hear it there. And we will, of course, let you know uh, early enough for that. But go check it out right now on Content Club, the Clock Shelves Patreon at patreon.com slash clock shelves. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not sure I, how to support the, uh, the, the Ben and, and Karen ship. That's what I'm saying. There was like, there was, there was nothing to give us that, but you you know what I mean? Like almost any time that two characters, unless you know, I mean, sometimes in certain circles, even when they are related game of Thrones, uh, you know, like certain people, if just, if they're together, there's automatically used to be Tumblr. Now it's Reddit, you know, the, the, the ships, the fandoms are born and there was like nothing in, in, any and any of the interactions that they had to even hint at that. But I think, like I said, I think the fact that she kind of drove it home with if, you know, if we had had a, a kid that, you know, she would have we would have liked her to be like you. I think it just kind of boosts in and reestablishes the fact that it was father and son, father and daughter, sorry, father and daughter. And that the way that he spoke about her was a way of like like a pride, like pride. He was proud that she was. Cause she not journalist, but kind of in that way of, like I said, like she wants the truth. Well, I mean, I mean, we get there, right? Because, you know, uh, not for another, it was sweet that, you know, Ben's wife remember, remembered Ben talking about Karen. That was a nice little touch. And then that is kind of, uh, maybe what leads her down the path that she goes, you know, a little bit of <clears throat> foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. I think it's it's also this plus the scene with Matt Foggy and Karen a little bit later in the episode where they're joking together. It's it's basically like the culmination of Karen's journey through the first season. You know, it's sort of like to be legitimized like that. I feel like that's sort of ending her story arc in the first season. Because, I mean, I don't think she does a whole lot after that. Right. Like it's just sort of maybe reacting to what's going on. But that's that's I, I, I view that as the end of her story arc in, in the first season. No, that's yeah, true, it's... though, because that's because she, you know, they've they worked her and Ben worked on this case. And then she is kind of there with with her guys, you know, uh, with you're talking the scene where they're all sitting around and drinking and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, they were apart for so long. They're back together now, and they both view her as more than just the pretty girl that answers our phones. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that scene, and that's that's one of my notes, was it was nice to see that trio back together and, and joking. It it made it, you know, it, it really brought home the fact that all three characters had had their, their journeys, you know. But, like, this, that was sort of like... Not that wasn't the epilogue, but it was sort of the epilogue of 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 the interpersonal dynamic of the of the trio, 
there because the rest of it was basically just all action after that. Yeah, and not for nothing, they do have a bit of chemistry, those three. So it's it's to get them, you know, that they, they, they kind of space them out all throughout the season a little bit and get two here, two there, whatever, you know, and then getting them all to come back together. It's a, it was good to see. It definitely was. I in it in I like the fact that we got that sort of scene versus just what ended up being the five because it was it was the three of them when they're looking at the newspaper right so like if that had been the moment i feel like we all would have felt cheated if that's the moment that like the only moment the three of them were back together yeah just the fact that they were they were together they were cracking jokes like it it made it feel like all right the gang's back together like there was some there was some interpersonal turmoil but you know between all three of them there was a lot of that shit going on but it's essentially resolved by that point Speaking of that newspaper, by the way, uh, art drawn by Alex Maleev, who was Daredevil comic artist for uh, many years, I believe, and a nice. nice long run on the comics. So they had him do the uh, the cover of the newspaper. Nice. That it did. It did look like it was basically some comic book shit. I mean, that I, I figured it was ripped straight out of a comic book, but it, it was a comic book artist that did it. So that makes perfect sense. Yep. And Zach, you also mentioned an epilogue. Uh, what I thought was interesting about this show, all throughout 13 episodes, zero stingers, nothing post-credits ever. So that it was a little that's departure. A, that's a Netflix thing. So in the stick episode... Because they just want you to click next episode. Right, because Netflix is... Because, best. I mean, we even talked about like Hulu and stuff, and I, I know that it... It's one of my issues with some of the other streaming services, just as a quick aside, is that I think Netflix is one of the only ones that after X amount of episodes, they do that whole are you still watching thing? Because I know between Peacock, Hulu and HBO Max at various points over the last few years, I've fallen asleep watching stuff and it'll go through a whole season while I'm asleep and that pisses me off. Um, but Netflix does the whole are you still watching? But they do take you from one episode right to the next and I believe it's the stick episode. It cuts to black for like a second. And then you see the, the, the basically what would have been the post credits scene or the mid credits scene where he goes to like his mentor or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I remember reading at the time, that was because of the Netflix model. They couldn't really do post or mid credits things so they basically had to just do where it's like a quick cut to black and then they show you something else before the actual credits over this last year the entertainment space changed drastically with many tv series being binged many films seeing digital releases like never before and many in show business starting or growing their online presence Many actors, directors, producers, and more began to delve into the world of podcasting. Whether it was actors re-watching and giving behind-the-scenes details on their long-running uh, series, directors appearing to discuss their filmographies, or even comedians launching series to help grow their audience in a time when touring was non-existent, the podcasting landscape changed. And though we at Clock Shelves Entertainment have tried to consistently bring you new content, we know we haven't always kept up our end of the bargain. 
but we would like to take a moment to thank you for sticking with us. And with so many options out there, we began to question how we exactly fit into the current space. We realized that although we may not have those involved in your favorite Marvel films or your favorite TV series or music genre, we have the unique fan perspective. We have something no one else has. Global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics in many entertaining scenarios. Yes, we have great times. We have the unique perspective of offering the different viewpoints from literally all around the globe. We'd like to thank you for sticking with us and we hope to continue bringing you more great times ahead. We've always said Clock Shelves Entertainment is a great way to pass the time. Great times ahead. That's that's kind of funny because it's it's just sort of accepted that's part of comic book movies now. Like even DC does it. Um, Peacemaker, which just wrapped on HBO Max, which I heavily recommend to anybody listening, uh, would have a stinger at the end of the credits every episode. It was all it was a joke. It was nothing serious, but it was there. It just sort of feels like it's it's an obligation at this point. Yeah, even outside superhero movies, like other movies, I, I'm you know Paul knows this about me is I usually sit through the credits regardless, uh, but. You know, even just a regular old standalone movie, you almost feel like, all right, is there anything else? There might be. Well, yeah, you like know, the... the... Not like it's anything new. They did it with Ferris Bueller in 1986 or whatever. That's true. That's yeah, well, true. I was going to say the one of the Toy Story movies, it's a thing, and, and it's basically the same thing like Ferris Bueller where Barbie comes out and she's just like, okay, goodbye, goodbye now. Um, she's like an airline... Uh, uh, flight That's attendant. That's right. Oh my God. You I know? forgot about that. And then even, I, I think it was one <laughs> Eldritch of the memories dredged up from the depths. <laughs> I think it was one of the, I think it was the zombie land sequel. There's just like a scene of, uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. And yeah. it's, I think in both of them, actually it's, I think there's just like a, a post credit scene with Bill Murray, but I think in the second one, he's like, once again, trying to promote whatever terrible Garfield movie was fictionalized in that. <laughs> but like, it's just that like, again, you know, <laughs> uh, one thing I, I also wanted to ask, did I, maybe I missed it. As I said to you two, before we started recording, I, I, it's terrible to say, but I wasn't completely into the episode because I have I have some uh, some personal stuff going on so my head was kind of 50-50 in the sh in the episode and elsewhere. Did I miss something where so they're going obviously you know the the officer decides to um the officer decides to to kind of come forward and basically lay out all of the the dealings with Fisk's empire, right? Mhm. Mm Okay, and then we see like all of the like the was is it like the secretary of the newspaper gets nabbed and like you know we see various people in like these weird positions that you wouldn't necessarily think and then Fisk as he's he's talking you know he knows that it's about to happen and so he gives Vanessa the ring but he he says to her I want you to listen to me very carefully and then they do that thing in TV where they cut away for like a you know a few seconds and then they cut back and he says you know do you understand you know, everything that I just told you, because of course we as the audience can't hear it. And then I don't like, 
all I remember is the next thing we see of her, she's waiting at the helicopter. Was that basically him saying, I have some men and I'm going to get out of this? Or did I miss something in there? I think he may have been kind of roping her in on this, being like, you need to reach out to this person to make sure this happens and let them know what's going on, you know, and then go here at this time, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think he, he like it was the, basically her job because nobody else was left, right? They're going to leave her alone. They're not going to implicate her. So she became his only hope to then reach out to, I don't know whether it was his people within the FBI uh or whatever it was, but like, she's the one who eventually uh, puts it together in the end to p- put together the, uh, the plan to free him. Okay. Now I don't remember season two. Uh, is, is that potentially setting up anything for season two? Like, I, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's, that's probably, that's probably accurate, Kevin. I just, I'm, I don't remember if she was even in season two or not. She does come back. Uh, and I think she is kind of more a part of what he does like that there's no more kind of illusions around it like right. she, she's there you know and when, when she's needed she does what she, she needs to do um but yeah i think paul kind of glossed it all over you know everybody getting arrested and i actually thought it was because they were heavily uh implying that the guy ellison the boss at the newspaper was fisk's guy um and then you see, like, no, he had just paid off uh, one of the other journalists or secretary, whatever she was, that Paul said. Um, and I just I think that is a brilliant little face turn in a dramatic moment. It's one of those just little things see, because we see that he, he wasn't the bad guy. And then he does become a bigger part of the show and become starts to fill that that Ben York role uh, with Karen. Uh, in future seasons. So I, I love that little piece of it. I love the the Pavarotti being played as, as various people are being taken down, the senator and whatnot. Um, and the thing that led up to all that, obviously, you mentioned the detective going and, and, and snitching. Um, when he walks in the, the police department, there is uh, the Stanley back on the wall. I don't know if any of you guys picked up on that. Yeah, There's I a picture. That, yeah. I remember seeing it the very first time and I was like, yes. <laughs> and it, yeah, I feel like it means more now, of course. But, for sure. Yeah. They found a way to incorporate Stan. That was great. And even in the scene where, where Hoffman um, is confronted, you know, when they when they find him and go to kill him and then Matt steps in to, to save him, uh, the way they filmed it where he just closes his eyes and the blood splatters across his face and it stays focused in on that for, I don't know what it was, five, ten seconds uh, that on this show just becomes so more meaningful because, you know, you have a guy who is blind and then a guy standing there closing his eyes thinking he's about to die, too. So that was like going back to what Zach said earlier it was all the cinematography of it all. Now, I thought and maybe I mean, obviously, I'm mistaken considering what you said about what the, the guy from the, the paper go, does going forward. I thought. I thought that the the look he was giving was more, oh God, are they going to come after me in two seconds now too? I didn't necessarily think of it as, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm incorrect, but I didn't necessarily think of it as, oh, it wasn't him. I thought he was, I thought he was looking like nervously like, oh, they're about to get me as well. 
<laughs> no, I saw, I saw that as a complete like vindication face turn for him. Like it wasn't him who's, who, you know, caused Ben's death. Cause I mean, it definitely felt like it could have been him just judging off of his interactions with Ben over the season. And just, I don't know. He just gave off the vibe. We're like, is this guy bought? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I I agree. Like at first, I'm like, are they going for the, for for Mr. Reporter Man? But yeah, you know, it was it was. I don't think he was. He wasn't bought. He was just wrong, and he realized that he was wrong. So I think that was the, the turning point for him. Yeah. And though you mentioned Kev about the guy, the the, you know, when when the detective goes and he has the blood splatter, and then we see him going up. I like the fact that he still had. The blood splatter on him. He goes yeah. to confess. He didn't bother to wash up. He went yes, right I down to the that. precinct, found Mahoney, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Daredevil did not give him a washcloth, which I think is, is a war crime. But, you know, I don't make the rules. <laughs> In case you didn't know, we are trying to get back into the gist of doing some Lost with Friends episodes about once a month. Um, of course, available early and uninterrupted over at Content Club. Um, But we're looking at doing things like covering deleted scenes, certain character arcs, and, uh, you know, various uh, discussions about all sorts of bonus sort of topics with regards to Lost. Of course, as many of you may know, Lost is what brought myself and various friends that uh, appear on these podcasts together. It was uh, one of the flagship shows for such a long time, and realizing how important it was uh, and not being ready to remember, let go, and move on, we had to go back! So we are trying to get back into the swing of doing Lost with Friends about once a month, uh, so... Uh, We've been behind a little bit, I will admit, uh, but we are trying to get back into that, like I said, available early and uninterrupted over on Content Club, and then, uh, uh, again, in the main Lost with Friends feed. So go check that out. There's a few episodes available right now that you can go check out. Bonus episodes of Lost with Friends from Clock Shelves Entertainment. Um... But yeah, I didn't even. I, I mean, I I liked the that that. Uh... And that of course, that of course leads to the uh, you know. It, it seemed like it was kind of sudden. Like at that point, it was like, oh damn, like this is going to be it. Like they're taking down Fisk just like this. And then of course, it leads to the whole you know breaking out thing. But then getting him back into custody, and Mahoney ends up taking him down at forty sixth and tenth, which I'm intimately familiar with from my time in New York, spent during mostly during Comic Con. So yeah, it's a nice little nod. You know what? Once one yeah, moment... like I know it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's just when when you know when the breakout starts. Uh, you know he goes to Mister Potter and gets the suit, and he's like, "This this will do," and just like, "Just show me the fucking suit. Show it." I'm, I'm, t- I'm sick of the fucking pajamas. Like, I want to see it. And, uh, you know, the suit, I, I felt, you know, like I said before, it's very pragmatic, very realistic version of what someone might wear in the real world. I thought the suit was amazing. Oh, it looks great. 
It looks absolutely great. And little side note, personal side note about the suit. Uh, I've seen it in person at uh, um, a Marvel display that they had here uh, in Philadelphia at the Franklin Institute. Uh, it was really cool. And also they held an auction for uh, Daredevil official, you know, memorabilia and, and props from the show. And I actually bid on one of the suits that ended up going well into five figures. So I was out on that pretty early, but I did bid on it. That's awesome. Yeah. Would have been cool to have. Yeah. Just put that in a glass display case. Just show all the bitches that <laughs> like, welcome to the palace. This is daredevil's fucking suit. All right. The bedroom's <laughs> over there. Be much cooler. This than is daredevil's suit. Now get in your birthday suit, you know, Ah, see, exactly. And then, and then, and then snap, you know, really bring the Marvel thing home. <laughs> snap. It's like, it's be an excellent episode of Cribs. This is where the magic happens. You know, this is Daredevil suit. Yeah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was like $15,000. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I will say the one moment that took me out of the entire episode. It just, it made me, like, I giggled at how goofy it was. So when when Fisk is changing from, from back of the, you know, from truck to truck when they're, you know, helping him escape and whatever, he goes to get in that second truck and the guy, you know, reaches his hand out and they do that that thing, you know, where he... he I don't know what you call it, but basically, you know, like the, like the, Hey man, how are you? Sort of thing. It's not a handshake, but it's the, um, what you call it. And he, uh, you know, helps him up into the vehicle, but when he gets down out of the first one, they quickly screw on that little, that little ladder. <laughs> oh my God. What you you expect him to jump out of the truck man, at his age? His knees are fragile. All right. I'm going to be 29 in a week. My knees already hurt. I can't even imagine. Especially I did with his notice knees. that. And I want I was, a ladder at all times. Yeah, I was wondering what the if that was like really something that Vincent D'Onofrio were like. I'm not jumping down off this. I'll look ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm wearing this you know suit with probably some padding on it. Like no, like find me an easier way to get down from here. It did kind of stick out. Like you could have skipped that. It could have been. But I mean, it would have been. It's better than if he like did a little pirouette. You know, like he jumped off and pirouetted. Like I feel like that would have taken me out of it even more. But like, look, I get it. He's a man who's he, he's important. He deserves the ladder. That's how you know. He's a soup. He's a secret spooky man. He, he gets a ladder. Still gets a laugh. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, that was like the moment that kind of that kind of took me like out of it a little bit. <laughs> like was just like, oh, we got to We got to quit the quick. The boss is coming. Get the little ladder. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Um, but the final, the final showdown, um, like the, the basically it was just an, an alley fight between Daredevil and Kingpin was, was brutal. And I think really showed just how dangerous Fisk really is that he's able to go toe to toe with this blind ninja man. Like it was, it was a, it was a pretty decent punch up. I had actually forgotten about that. Like I, I remembered him standing on the side of the, of the van in the suit, but I didn't remember the fight afterward. The thing I liked about the fight was we finally got, like, Fisk, out of all this time, he finally basically revealed his true colors, right? Everything that we've seen, whether he was talking with with Owlsley 
or Gao or, you know, even sometimes with Vanessa and then, of course, in front of the media and whatnot, almost everything was either I want money, I want power, I want the city to be better. And then it was him finally saying that he doesn't he doesn't really care about like the city like a lot of it i'm not saying all of it but a lot of it he kept saying that it would come back to you know the city that that made him or whatever and then he says the line uh you know the city deserves people like you people like my father which is probably like to him the biggest insult he can ever give someone <laughs> right like it really Absolutely. is like that's that's i mean it doesn't make sense to anyone but him but it is probably like the biggest insult he can ever give someone is you know the, the deserving of my father and and whatnot and he, you know he finally showed his true colors he didn't care and we all knew that but he he never really like admitted it before and i thought that was like a really powerful moment and Matt kind of took the beating there for, and it was, it, that was very strange for Matt too, to kind of take the beating there for a few minutes before he was able to sort of regain his composure to, cause like we don't, all we hear is like a ringing. We don't even hear like Fisk talking or yelling or anything. There's just like a ringing. And, you know, for the first time in probably a very long time, he didn't have full control over everything and, you know, his hearing and, and whatever. So, you know, it, it kind of stands to reason that Fisk is like his and like his arch enemy in that way, because out of everyone over the last, you know, what decade, two decades, whatever it is, because I don't know how old he's supposed to be. But in every little fight that he's ever been in, even with his own mentor, he basically allowed himself to be taken out of the moment for a little bit there. Hey everyone, it's James, recurring guest on Paul and All. Just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and All available right now on Content Club. In it, Paul and I discuss a failed pilot, How I Met Your Dad. We were prepared for How I Met Your Father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed, so go check it out right now at Content Club, only at patreon.com forward slash clock Thank you. And the added element of, like, is Matt going to kill this guy, too? Like I said earlier, the will he, won't he of that whole thing and, and the brutality of the fight. I didn't think it was the best fight of the show or the season, but uh, certainly fight. The, the most, yeah, uh, certainly the most meaningful, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it's if you liken it to a video game, that was the final boss. Yeah, yeah. and, and like no, you said, it's just a fucking boss fight. Fisk referencing his his father, uh, and it's fitting that it ends with him again staring at the white wall. I love that was that. so good. Yeah, that's so poignant. Yeah, great. Um, goddamn, I think I might I might start season two tonight. Fuck it. <laughs> well, you, you give got me that John Berthold Punisher. I was gonna say, yeah, you only got a <laughs> oh, few I know. days. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just have to steal it. I'll just have to steal it. Like, look, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna make it easy for me to access your shit, I'm gonna steal it. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. Well, of course, we don't want anyone uh, stealing uh, anything that, you know, we can get in trouble for. 
Um, but you know, sometimes things have <laughs> oh, to no, be done. Oh no, I was just We've, joking. Uh... Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but we also we also definitely uh... pay your taxes, kids. <laughs> we also don't want to necessarily steal uh, more of people's time. And I told you guys when we when we started this because it was just going to be this one episode, and obviously a lot happened in this episode. But I think we kind of wrapped it all up beautifully. I don't know if we have anything else that we wanted to talk about, but I really liked uh, sort of doing this experiment with this, as I've mentioned a few times, you know, trying to do something a little different kind of each time I'm doing something in in different little pockets of the uh, of the MCU. So with the going back and forth and then bringing the two of you together for the finale, I, I liked it. I'm, I'm not sure how it would work going forward with like whatever the next iteration of the, which it's Daredevil season two or Jessica Jones first. I can't remember. I think it's Daredevil season two, then Jessica Jones. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on, on who's available and who wants to discuss what, I don't know how that's going to go the next time with these, uh, defenders series. Cause we can't really call them the Netflix series anymore. Um, but I am so happy that the two of you were able to take the time over these last few episodes. And even tonight, to uh, record these. I think there were some fantastic discussions and I think we really did uh, a great job covering Daredevil season one. So before we wrap it up, is there anything else we want to sort of say and put a uh, an exclamation point at the end of Daredevil season one? I will say this. I think Daredevil is the best of the Defender shows and it is the most consistent. Agreed. I So I admittedly watched this i watched season two and then i watched season one of jessica jones i didn't get any further than that so i actually kind of can't wait till we get into those because it'll be a lot of new stuff for me so i'm very excited yeah, season, season two of, of jessica jones is just not great i, I is there a third season because I, I actually just made a point to not watch it season two was just so blah now I there did, is a- I, I did like season one of Jessica Jones. I really season one's did. great. The only problem I had with season one, and not to, I guess we're doing a a, a preview of what we're going to talk about when we actually cover the series. But they're like, what a guy who can control minds? That's ridiculous. And they're living in the shadow of a city that just got attacked by aliens like a month ago. Like, okay, <laughs> sure. That took that that took me out of the series. You're telling just me too- you don't believe David Tennant can control minds, but aliens can come from the sky? Fuck out of here. David Tennant was the doctor. Of course, he can control minds if he wants to. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did you have? And you know, you the want... less said about Iron Fist, the better. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to say, Kev? No, I said I was just going to say Kilgrave is is what makes uh, season one really. Yeah. So we'll talk about that later, though. Of course, and uh, until we do, uh, of course, people can find the two of you all over the internet. So where can they find you both? I could be found on Twitter at one man pantheon if and only if you spell out the word one. And I am uh, across damn near all forms of uh, social media at seventh power. Replace the V with the number seven. Of course, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. Uh, we are all on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Clockshelves. You could find out more about all the stuff we do, including MCU and me. I referenced uh, Lost with Friends. We've also done uh, Paul and All, which is a show where I've got to talk with both of these guys uh, separately about all sorts of cool stuff going on in their lives and just various topics, things like that. You can find out more about all of that. Clockshelves on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's C L O C K S H E L V E S. 
pretty much you can find the links to everything via clockshelves.com or in, I think it's on Instagram right now and various other places. We have our link tree, which is basically just kind of collects the, the links of various things that we have. You can find us there. Um, but until we talk more Defender series or what comes next, the very next episode actually of MCU and me is going to be uh, an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then the next episode after that is Age of Ultron. Let's go. It's probably going to be really funny because it's going to be split. I would I would probably say maybe 50-50 on who likes it and who doesn't. So very excited about that. Um, but of course, you can catch all of those uh, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts now. MCU and Me is there. Um, but you can find out more info about that on all of our social media. So until next time, I will once again say thank you to Zach and thank you to Kevin and thank you to all of you out there. Uh, thanks for listening, true believers.